Welcome to Tiki Central Canada. Ever wonder what's in that cool, refreshing drink that you just have to have on that hot summer's day? Mmm, me too. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. He has left society. He has entered Tiki Central with palm trees, beach sand, blue skies, and God, get me a drink now. Here's your hosts, Craig, Paula, and Mark, and their wacky views in drinks, life, and maybe information. Hey folks, and hey, how's it going? It's Craig here from Tiki Central Canada. I'll be your bartender, your mixologist, and information for the hour. We'll see how it goes. And yes, we are via internet still. Uh, we're going to be at Paula's house next time out yes. in the Royal Blue Yonder. And there she is, Paula, my co-host. And how are we doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I wish we did video because you see she's got some pearly whites going because she just came back from the dentist. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even do any cleaning. I literally went there just to get my new Invisalign. Ah, I, I didn't even sit in the chair. I go there. I They ask me if the, the things or the little plugs are still on my teeth. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. So she gave me the next five trays. And now I have to go back in January. Well, there you go. Maybe by then, maybe we'll do a video uh, podcast by then. So we can check out the pearly whites. There we go. <laughs> she is our, uh, yeah. So she is <laughs> she's such an angel. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, from this perspective, anyway. Uh, and of course, on the other side of my screen is our tiki expert, Mark. And how are we doing, Mark? We're doing great. Do you still have some pearly whites going or are they uh No, no, they're um, <laughs> It's old school, right? We, we grew yeah. up in the age of uh, silver teeth. That's right. I still have like mercury in my mouth. And yeah. I was like, we didn't take them out. Like, no, no. There's no sense taking it out. I mean, if I've lived up to this point with it, there's no sense taking it out anyway, so... Exactly. Yeah, because we, we grew up with a generation where like, eh, maybe you brushed your teeth, maybe you didn't. There wasn't a lot of flossing back then. There wasn't all these like different uh, electric toothbrushes back then. There was all this stuff that, that you guys have now that we didn't we didn't have then. She's like, ooh. Yes, <laughs> yeah. hubby, hubby printed it for me. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yes, the script. He, he just scared me half. <laughs> I, 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 like... I thought I heard something, so then I look and he's right here, and I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> well, she caught that in the video. Yeah. Ninja Justin. Ninja he Justin. Or in and out, real the quick. volume that I have up here in my deaf ears. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yes. On that note, let's go on to the show. So, what are we talking about today? So, today we're going to be talking about Bond, James Bond, ha. the cocktails. Did you and- go see the movie? Chicken or stirred. Yes, I did see the movie on the second day it came out. And I was super stoked because I was waiting two years to see this goddamn movie. It was like, <laughs> well, no, because they're like, it's coming out. No, it's not. It's coming out. No, it's not. It's coming out. So I'm like, please, for the love of God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like- <laughs> How about you, Mark? Did you watch it already? I saw it. I have it. not. You're <gasps> oh. not allowed to give anything away. Oh my God, you're such a party pooper. No spoilers. Like Craig did a whole show about this damn thing, and now you tell us you didn't watch? Yeah, I mean, uh, is there anything else you want to give to without getting the spoilers away? Yes, I had forgotten how loud the movie theater is. (laughs) I was shocked. I felt like an old lady. I was like, the movie started, I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be this loud all along? (laughs) Like, seriously. Uh, 
Was this your first movie back since COVID? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've seen like 10 movies since we've been back since COVID, so wow. there you go. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that was my first back in the IMAX, and it was a bit shocking to me. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, And I forgot that I had to whisper all the time, and you know, like you, you just forget, you know, these little things. And I'm like, yeah, it's so loud. I don't need to whisper. I mean, did you uh, get like the traditional like movie thing, like popcorn and pop? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, candy and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love the popcorn. I love okay. So, question of the day to both of you: What is your favorite candy at a movie theater or the drive-in? I don't do candy at the movie theater. I only do popcorn. Uh, Mark only popcorn. See, really? Nothing else. Of course, of oh. course. No, of anything course. else is blasphemy. Uh, I agree, I blasphemy, blasphemy. I do chocolate. <laughs> You're always wrong, aren't you? I know, I know. I do do popcorn, <laughs> though. I do do popcorn. How do, how do you live with yourself? Yeah, so I, don't I, know, I don't know either. I don't know either. Wait, wait. In my defense, is because when I go there, I love the previews. I have to see the previews every single time. And I eat almost all the popcorn and drink all the pop by the time the previews are over. So I have to have something for the movie itself. I so. feel like you need to ba- buy a bigger popcorn. No, 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 no. It's too much already as it is. Popcorn doesn't really make you fat, Craig. Chocolate right does. Yeah. Uh, wow. What are you saying? <laughs> popcorn <I'm> saying- <laughs> is a vegetable. Yeah, that you can fit more popcorn inside of you as opposed to leaving space for the chocolate. I think she's trying to say something, Mark. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. Not a thing. Ask, ask Norma. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm joking. You're all good. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, anyway, so yes, it is definitely the movie to see. Um, in the theater, I wouldn't – you'd be ashamed to go see this on a screen, like a TV screen, because you just would lose a lot of it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And Mark, come on. Come on, dude. Okay. This week. I'll go see hey, it. Then we can talk about it then. There we go. That's right. There we go. <laughs> What's the point after we already did this show and he's there, not uh. there we go. on the next <laughs> next one. There we go. Okay. Anyhow, but yeah, I think I think it is definitely fun to to go see. I have to refresh my my bonds. I was I actually asked Justin something I want to ask you guys. Okay. So how does the transferring of bonds work? Like, did um, Pierce Brosnan die for the next guy to come in? No, no. So the, this character is played by different actors, obviously, along the way. But actually, it's the same character each and uh, all the way through the whole process. Now, I did watch a documentary just recently that apparently all the Bonds are not in order. Ah. So in other words, if you watch it in order, it doesn't make sense. So Casino Royale, the one that Daniel Craig, uh, his first movie... Should have been actually the first movie in the line of movies you watch because that's, that's, that's when he became Bond for the became, first time. That's how he got his double O. He got his double O status. Oh, I should watch that again. Then I don't remember that at all. Yeah. yeah. So it's not an order. So yeah, it's like watching. Uh, if you ever watch Fast and Furious series, yeah, it's like it's it's not an order. <laughs> what like, about who was after uh, Pierce Brosnan? Was it Daniel uh, Craig already? Daniel Craig, yes. So there was uh, Sean Connery, then it was Roger Moore. It's weird because I actually looked at the chronological order of all the James Bonds. Sean Connery actually comes back and does one or two Bonds right after Roger Moore did one or two of them. And then Roger Moore comes back and does a few more. So it's like this little breakup of interesting character. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, can't remember the guy that did uh, Daylight. I'm trying to remember his name. Mark uh, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, yep. And then there's one, Your Majesty's... Yeah, that was George Lazenby. Ah. Mark, Mr. Encyclopedia. 
Now, Never one saw of, it. I'm trying to get the order here because uh, somebody, one of them actually married Diana Rigg at the end of the uh, the movie. That's right. And then and the, oh, that was the one with Kojak as the villain. Oh, and, God. What was that? Um, <sighs> and then the next one took over like the timeline mm-hmm. with her just being dead, but it was a new Bond. So I think right. that's when we went from Lazenby to Timothy Dalton. Well, one of the things they mentioned too, this uh, uh, being James Bond, is they talk about that Spectre actually is the very beginning of James Bond's. Then he kind of disappears for a while. And then Spectre pops up again when Daniel Craig takes over. So the Spectre storyline kind of disappears for quite a few Bonds. You don't see anything about Spectre. And then all of a sudden it pops back up again. Yeah, it's kind of like the Batman movies where they just start over again. And you're Ah, supposed to forget about everything you've seen before. So that way you can retell the story. Same with the Spider-Man movies. Exactly. So same character, but different people doing it. So there's there's no chronological uh, uh, anything. He he's not getting old. You know that's that's what I mean. <laughs> James right? Bond never gets old. What are you talking about? No, I guess. No, no. I guess. Yeah, because it's what yeah. like fifty plus years that he's been. Yep. Yeah. Existing? So it's like the Simpsons. They never grow old. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> it's like you know. I wish I was the Bond girl. So if you're, oh, wait, wait, I have to ask this question. If you were going to be a Bond girl, who would you want James Bond to be, to be your, you know, to romance with? Who would it be? What's the name of the guy I said last time? Tom something? Tom Hardy. Yeah. It could be him. Ah, okay. I wouldn't mind. (laughs) Oh, we'll have to, we'll have to do that take again. Yeah. We'll have to do that take again. She says. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Again. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Again. (laughs) Like Paul, we've done his love scene fifty-seven times. I think we got it. <laughs> She'd be like, "Are you sure you didn't get it from the right angle?" Because you know, yeah. I think we could do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only I were young again. On on that note, yeah. Are we going to talk about a cocktail that it has something to do with the movie? So we're going to do two cocktails. One is yes to relate to the movie, and the other one is no. So one of them is from the movie Casino Royale, which is a Vesper. And the other one is actually a Dale DeGraff cocktail called Casino Royale. Where is the iron of that? that the cocktail is called Casino Royale. And we're doing James Bond. Well, we've been talking about Dale a lot lately, I feel. Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. So Dale DeGraff actually is a bartender that we talked about uh, on the Cosmopolitan show. So if you want to go back to the episode about the Cosmopolitan, it's a really cool episode. Uh, what actually is funny is that he's more famous for the Cosmopolitan, but he didn't create the Cosmopolitan. As you guys remember from the trivia show we just did recently, wink, wink, it was the Cheryl Cook was the, actually the one who created the cocktail Cosmopolitan. No, Dale DeGraff was a New York bartender uh, that became internationally known as the Cocktail King. And basically what it is, he brought cocktails back to, as we know it today, the era of mixology, not just mixed drinks of like gin and soda and vodka and water. He actually would put in several spirits and several mixers and elements in there to make a a clean cocktail. And he's basically the one who started that whole era of cocktails. So let's talk about the drinks. Okay. So what drinks are we talking about today? So what we actually get to do is we got to talk about the Casino Royale cocktail from Dale DeGraff, which is in the craft of the cocktails. And then the second drink we're going to do is the Vesper cocktail from the Casino Royale movie, James Bond, which actually was Daniel Craig's first movie that he did as James Bond. Oh, cool. A Vesper. I look forward to hearing about that one. What's in the drink then? Okay. So the Casino Royale has a following. It has- Wait, 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 wait. First, first tell me. What is Bond's official drink? Okay, so it is a martini, shaken, not stirred. Okay. So it'd be one part vermouth, 
two parts gin and then shaken and strained, uh, usually with an olive in it. That's how he orders his drink, right? That's how he orders his drink. Okay. Exactly. So carry on. Sorry. What's in this drink? The Casino Royale. Okay, so let's talk about the Casino Royale. That's the first drink we're doing from Dale DeGraff's The Craft of the Cocktail Book, which is in a cool links page, by the way, if you want to check it out. And the irony of this, Vissi, is it's that, like I said, it was Daniel Craig's first motion picture as James Bond. So in the cocktail itself, we're going to do one ounce of gin. And I do recommend a dry gin, not an herbal gin, like a Bombay Sapphire or something like that, some London dry gin of some kind. I use Muskoka gin here at home, or a beef eater is another one you can use. Uh, Dylan's makes a really good gin as well. Uh, one ounce of orange juice, half an ounce of maraschino liqueur. I use the Bulls, which actually LCBO doesn't supply anymore, wah, 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 because uh, of COVID reasons. But there is also Luxardo um, maraschino liqueur out there. It's a little more bitter. It's a little more on the tart side. So I'm sure Mark would probably be using that. Well, I have that. So that's what <laughs> I'd be using. Yes. There you go. Uh, a quarter ounce of lemon juice and some champagne. What way fancier to make a ritzy martini for James Bond than adding champagne? Cool. We don't really do a lot of drinks with champagne involved here. No, exactly. Yeah. This is not exactly a tiki cocktail, but because of all the layers and stuff like that, I thought, and we're doing James Bond, I thought it'd be a good drink to chew. Pretty fancy drink. Do you shake this fancy drink or do you stir this fancy drink? Well, just like James Bond likes it, we're going to shake all the ingredients except for the champagne in a shaker, and then we're going to strain it into a chilled martini glass and then top it off with a champagne and then garnish it with an orange peel. I noticed when going through Dale DeGrasse's book, though, that he loves the orange as a garnish and as an ingredient. It seems like he's very much about citrus, and of all the citrus, it seems that orange is his go-to garnish. Like in the Cosmopolitan, he does the flaming orange. Uh, we've talked about that before in the show. So, yeah, it just seems uh, that seems to be his go-to uh, garnish or ingredient that he actually does in a lot of his cocktails. So, did you try any substitutions for this? You know me. You know me. So, yeah, I, I tried know. the I the original cocktail. It was okay. It was good. Uh, but you know me. I, I got to spruce it up. So, what I did is you can actually change a couple things on this if you like to. If you want it sweeter, you can do pineapple juice instead of the orange juice. Um, also too, what you could do is you want to change the gin to rum. You can do that as well. White rum, because I mean, if you're not into gin, then, uh, then you can always use white rum if you want to instead. But what I actually, the main thing that I changed was I didn't do champagne. I actually did a vanilla bean soda, which we've used before in the show. You can get that at any bulk barn or some superstores or any of your grocery specialty stores. You can also do uh, just club soda with some vanilla bean si- syrup as well which we've done before on the show. So yeah, I'll put those uh, recipes on there for you guys. So yes, there is a way you can uh, modify it. And that's what I did. I like that the, the, the vanilla bean is one of my favorite. If I'm going to modify something, that seems to be one of my favorite ones, that and ginger or cinnamon. And so uh, with the vanilla bean soda, it's got a little more layers to it. Also too, the orange juice is, for me, I'm not a big fan of orange juice. So I changed it over to the pineapple juice, which made it a little more tropical, a little more tiki-like. And uh, yeah, I will put those alterations on the page as well for you guys. And you just created a brand new drink. And apparently I just created a brand new drink. <laughs> it there has nothing go. to do with the last one and not even the booze is the same. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just completely changed it all around. There we go. Mark, you're laughing. Come on. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. yeah you're not wrong. <laughs> so wait. You got to come up with a name or somebody in your family has to come up with a name who comes up with the names there. Norma, Norma. But as I say, because Paula's rule is if you change the ingredients, you can't call it the same name. Well, it's not Paula's rule. It's just that it's not like a... (laughs) It's a good rule. It doesn't have to be Paula's rule. 
but you yeah, just no. changed even the booze. Usually, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like in the Maikai thing, you have yeah. at least that same base, right? Yes, yes. But if you're even changing the booze, you lose the base. Yeah. I was actually thinking of calling it full deck. <laughs> Why full deck? <laughs> well, Casino Royale, you're playing with a full deck. Oh, okay, cool. I, <laughs> I was going to say, call it like or, some, a different... Uh, or Royal Flush. Or a new one of another one of Bond's movies. You could yeah, yeah. name it a different Bond movie. <laughs> so basically, it's a new drink. You name it, mm-hmm. and we keep it as a Craig's creation. There we go. We'll figure it out, and we'll put it on Craig's creation for you guys. There we go. Call it uh, Casino de la Climi. <laughs> I'm actually going there on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Good job, for, Mark. Good for, job. for all you people out there, that's a casino near our place near yeah, Ottawa. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the the only Ottawa casino, right? No, there's yeah. another one. There's the the other one on the yeah. south side. The yeah. slots. Let's think of it. All the good names are gone, so we're gonna call it the slots. Slots. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, so, okay, are you guys casino people? Yeah, I'm just wondering. You are okay. What's your favorite game you play when you're at the casino? No, seriously. My favorite game in the casino is the um, roulette. Ah, there you go. And why is that? Why is the roulette your favorite game? Well, it's just a very non-committal. Like, no, I don't have to commit to sitting there for hours and hours. I can just do it on my own terms. And usually, you know, I'm kind of a wuss with the whole losing money. I'm scared that I'm going to lose too much. So I like you know, going little by little. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a better game for me. Yeah, the odds are not too bad. I mean, if you if you play the red and black way, right? It's I kind do of... not play the red and black way. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, 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 don't, no. I don't play roulette myself, but I figured if you're going to do anything, it's probably the red and black is a 50-50 no. chance, right? See, I don't like the 50-50. I prefer going on the numbers. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and how's that worked for you so far? <laughs> not that bad, actually. I Okay. I, I I like playing. I, I play the the lines also, right? Like mm-hmm. I play three numbers at a at a row. Uh, mm-hmm. So I like you know getting my odds higher. There you go. And Mark, for you, what is your favorite casino game? Uh, the one where it takes the longest, where I can sit and get free drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it'd be all about the free drinks. <laughs> it's like it's always something with this one. I mean, yeah, that's you got it. Uh, we used to have to take a. Uh, well, we didn't. We used to uh, take my father-in-law to uh, the mm-hmm. slots out here, and he would just spend hours and hours and hours there. So it was just like uh, he'd like a drink, he'd like a drink, <laughs> he'd, he'd like, like a drink. drink, another drink, another drink, another drink, yeah. another drink. Oh, jeez, that's funny. Which is funny because actually, when I was living in the states, I dated a, an accountant for a casino, and I asked her. I said, "I'm just kind of curious. What is the best take home for the casino, like of all the games? You know what it is? What Sl- slots?" Slots bring in I'm the sure. most money in the casino. Your odds are way worse on slots than any other game that's out there. I'm sure. Well, these people sit there for just days, it seems, at the yeah. same machine. It's unbelievable. No, I, I, and also, like, I had a friend, too, that worked in uh, Las Vegas casinos. And, and he was telling me that these things are, like, they are the easiest to manipulate, too, if, mm-hmm. you know. So if you're not in a super trustworthy place, mm-hmm. exactly. it is what it is, right? Yeah, they can actually calibrate it to the winning. So, example, when they do an opening of a casino, they actually calibrate it so you win more. 
yeah. more often for the first week. And then they recalibrate it up after the first week back to normal where your odds are higher up. Yeah. I did not know that. Apparently they can do, they can actually calibrate the odds on those machines. Yep. It's a sad, it's a sad reality, but nowadays it's really hard to trust anything really, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to, yeah. there's always a little, Oh, well, anyways, yes. So, yes, the first drink we're going to do is the Casino Royale. And like I said, they give you guys all the ingredients there. You shake that up, put that into a martini glass. We talked about the alternatives, so pineapple juice, some vanilla bean soda. There's some options there for that recipe. And, of course, we'll post it on the website for you guys. Okay, and what about the Vesper? All right, so Vesper actually is in the Casino Royale movie, which is the James Bond movie. And it's funny because he actually never gives the name of the drink during the movie. Vesper is a female character in the movie that he comes across and he's associated with. But what ends up happening in the scene where he describes a drink is that he's at the table, the, the poker table, and he's losing. And the villain is at the table. And, of course, he's making some sort of comment to James Bond that's going to degrade him. And so James Bond is, of course, being James Bond, is very intelligent and figures a way to make himself revive himself is he calls over the barman and he actually dictates the recipe to him on this drink. So he comes across like he's very elegant, he's very sophisticated, he's very knowledgeable. So all eyes are on him as he describes his drink to the barman exactly what he wants. And so it's pretty cool. And like I said, he never actually mentions the name of the drink in the movie, but it's actually a character that's in the movie. So what is in this drink? All right. This actually is a non-Polo drink. It's a very booze for drink. Uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, another one of those. Anyways, uh, yeah, so we're going to go through it. So it's going to be two and a quarter ounces of gin. Again, that probably would be like a London dry gin you're going to use. Uh, you're going to do three quarters of an ounce of vodka. And you're going to do a half ounce of Coqui Americano. Or Lilla Blanc is the other option now that you can use for that. So, Coqui Americano was a spirit they had back in the 1800s, and I think they stopped making in the 1970s. And Lilla Blanc is now the new version of that, or the closest alternative to it, um, which basically is like a vermouth, like a sweet vermouth. So, what is Coqui Americano? So, Coqui Americano is an herbal flavor uh, petite wine that's produced in the province, uh, Atis province of Italy. So, it's actually a fortified wine, uh, which actually all vermouths are as well, by the way. By the way, if you actually get a vermouth, don't get the big giant bottle that they, sh- they have at the your liquor store. Get the smaller bottles because what it actually is, vermouths are all fortified wines. And so, when you open it, Technically, you're supposed to refrigerate it, and it has a shelf life on it. So it does actually go bad eventually, especially if you do it at room temperature. So I've seen a lot of bars I go to where they've got these gigantic 40 ounces of vermouth that they use. Now, if you're going through a lot of martinis, of course, or any drinks like a Negroni, then of course, yeah, you can get the bigger bottle, of course. But if you're one of the people that has maybe a martini or Negroni once in a blue moon, you might want to go to a smaller bottle and keep that in the fridge after you open it because it does have a shelf life and it actually is a kind, a type of wine. Oh, that's a very good tip. There we go. So shake it or stir it. All right. Like James Bond, the Vesper Martini is shaken, not stirred, as the famous line, of course, is. And so, yes, you're going to shake this up. You're going to strain this into a martini glass. There's no garnish on this thing. It's basically as is. 
vapor trails. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I have to ask Mark, are you a martini guy, Mark? Uh, I, yeah, yes. I'll go with okay. yes. Okay. I had, I had a real issue with gin for a number of years. Yes. Thanks to some adolescent accidents. <laughs> <laughs> Which we won't get into on the no, show no, over we, here. We, we don't talk about it. Yeah. And uh, and the, pe- the people behind that, their names shall remain nameless. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but I've, uh, over the years, I've appreciated martinis more and more. Uh, okay. There you when go. You get the right gin and the right vermouth. And then yeah. I used to, now I just like the vermouth and the gin just kind of being introduced to one another, as somebody put it. Just yes. kind of like. And, extra, uh, extra dry, as you try to say. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I really like one version. Uh, you put like just a little tiny bit of vermouth in a, a in a coop, and you put mm-hmm. that in the freezer. Mm-hmm. So it's like a chilled vermouth flavored coop, oh. and you put gin in that. That's cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, cool. So, I've seen some guys spray vermouth into oh, a glass. That is, yeah, that, there you yeah. go. That's yeah. about what I like. It has to be really good gin, though, too. Yes, as you, as you know. Yes, exactly. And of course, yes, Martini was originally made with gin. Then, of course, when it came to the States and vodka got introduced to the States in the 1940s, vodka also became another uh, spirit that would use for martinis. Um, it's cheaper. It's got it's odorless. So, of course, you know, these businessmen would have the three three martini lunches, go back to work oh and be hammered. God. Yeah, yeah they'd just, be hammered just, and it would, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't know it. You know what I mean? Make- Making all these multi-million corporate decisions after three martinis. Thank At you. Lunchtime, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Now, now I have a question for you, though. Yes. Why on earth were the martinis shaken when they should be always stirred? I don't Good. understand this at all. Exactly. So for all you bartenders out there, you're probably going shaking your head going, no, a martini is supposed to be stirred. And for the <laughs> most part, martinis are supposed to be stirred. So anytime you have all alcohol, go ahead. I think I think you've taught me this already, and I don't remember in another show. Yes, but I don't remember the explanation, so I want to. Okay, so all alcohol you stir, so a Negroni, a Martini, anything that's just pure alcohol that has no mixers in it or no juices in it, you would stir. Um, And then, of course, if there's juices or something in it, they would shake it. Um, I am a shaker. Like my 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 cocktail menu that I made for uh, Clock Tower is almost all shaken. Because there's juices and there's lime juices in there, there's pineapple juices, there's all kinds of flavors that are added to the drink. So of course you shake it. So the reason why actually he wanted shaken and not stirred is that Ian Fleming, the guy that wrote all the books, the James Bond books, actually liked his drink being shaken. He didn't like it being stirred. He liked it being aerated and like the air bubbles in there, and he liked the cloudiness of it. So it was actually a preference from the writer, not the character. Um, that he put into the character that he liked it shaken and that stirred. So, so um, Craig, go go back to Dale DeGraff a bit. Uh, okay. I know we've been talking about him a lot. I I keep hearing his name these last couple shows, but yes, tell me more about him. So let's tell you give you guys a little bio about Dale DeGraff, who actually is one of my favorite bartenders of all time. Uh, he actually started by working for Ron Holland uh, ad agency in New York. And one of the main accounts they had was the Restaurant Association. And what that means is that he would be going to a lot of outings and functions in the best restaurants in New York. His job was to go to like a function and sit there and enjoy fine dining and food and wine and cocktails and, 
having a good old time. Anyway, so one of the restaurants was on in this account was the Charlie O's, which was a, a restaurant that overlooked the Rockefeller Plaza. So we all know the Rockefeller Plaza in New York, famous plaza. Um, is that where the skating rink is, by the way? Yep, yep. And the big Christmas tree. The and the big Christmas Center. tree. Right. Yeah. So if you've ever seen Home Alone, the big Christmas tree, uh, there's a thousand movies that that's, that area has been filmed, I'm sure. Right? I yeah. mean- 30 Rock. Yeah. There's, there's tons of movies and TV shows have been filmed there. So one of the evenings at the this uh, to Charlie O's, the manager walked into the staff, and of course um, Dale was there as well, and said that he needed a bartender for the New York Mayor's birthday party, which was of course paid for. So there'd be uh, an open bar, and none of the senior bartenders wanted to do it because obviously an open bar that means there's no tips and um, is below them. They did like, no, we don't want to do it. We don't want to spend our time and waste our time with it. So Dale. Never been a bartender. Figured, well, what not? I'll just give it a shot. And he volunteered himself. Now, before he went to the function, he went to Michael Flynn, who was one of the, the senior bartenders at the Charlie O's, and said, hey, do me a little favor if you can. I'm going to this function. Can you write down, just give me a little cheat sheet on a, on a cue card of eight, like the top eight cocktails, what's in them and how to make them? And so he was all nervous. He got there to the event. and He realized that he was very overwhelmed very quickly. Thousands of people asking him for drinks all at the same time. If you ever remember watching the movie Cocktail and Tom Cruise's first night as a bartender, he's got everyone yelling cocktails at him. So this is exactly what Dale Graff went through, where people are just yelling cocktails at him for him to make. And of course, he's like stomping along, whatever. But at the end of the night, you know what he said? You know what? I felt really at home behind the bar and he kept on doing it and kept on doing it. And then he started using real ingredients because he felt like, you know what? This sweet and sour stuff's not working for me. This artificial cranberry juice is not working for me. I want to start making cocktails with real ingredients. And so he basically started turning some eyes his way and saying, well, wow, this guy's really doing something completely different that none of these bartenders are doing. And so... What ended up happening is that he was uh, quickly realized for his talents and actually was helped to open the Promenade Bar, and which was actually restored to the Rainbow Room. Now, the Rainbow Room in New York, if you know what that is, is also at the top of the building where the NBC Studios is. So back in the 60s, all the really ritzy bars were not on the main floor of buildings. They would actually be at the top floor or somewhere several floors up. They would never be on the main floor. Uh, so for this building here alone, the Rainbow Room, the NBC studios was down on the bottom floor or whatever. So he got to know a lot of movie stars, a lot of TV stars would go up there and have lunch or after filming and go up there and enjoy themselves. So of course these cocktails were served. And eventually, like we talked about in the past at the Cosmopolitan show, he eventually became the ambassador to the absolute Citron Vic Vodka and the Cosmopolitan, which he, of course he's known for. So he really did change the whole look of, getting away from artificial flavoring and artificial drinks and getting away from just a barrel drink like a vodka soda or a gin and tonic and making something a little more complex. Did you know? Who knows? Let's see. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's, let's find out. <laughs> you guys change it all the time. I love it. I yeah. Love it. All right. So, of course, we're talking about James Bond. This whole show is pretty well focused on James Bond. And so, Daniel Craig's last movie, I figured I'd do a little bit of research on Daniel Craig himself and, of course, as James Bond. Wait, so, hold on, hold on. I have a did you know for you. Oh, okay. Here we go. Before, I like this. Just, just, you know, before you start yours. I do, did not know. Do you know which one is considered the best James Bond by the critics and, you know. Oh, the film critics. Okay. Yes. 
throughout Ooh. history, which one is considered the best of all time? Okay. That's a tough one because I did do my research. Skyfall was the first James Bond to break a billion dollars. Uh, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say Dr. No, because that was a very first one um, that came out. And I'm thinking that that's probably kind of creating history. Mark, what are you thinking? Uh, it's got to be a Sean Connery one. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So it could be Thunderball, could be Goldfinger. Well, which one know. do you think it is? One of those two. Well, you are correct. It's Goldfinger. Oh, oh wow. Cool. Now, how did they base that? I mean, what, what was their... I'm not sure. Well, they, they did say that it was... Well, I, I left the page now. I, <laughs> I didn't think that you were going to ask for the comment. You know, if you do a did you know, you got to have all the facts, right? <laughs> yes. But anyhow, it got an 84 score. And uh, and your Skyfall actually was in third. Mm-hmm. So with a eighty-one score. There we go. So um, yeah, you're you're not totally wrong either, Craigo. There you go. And the funny thing is, you know what Skyfall? When I like, it's weird because to me, it's one of my least favorite James Bond movies. But actually, when I look at it and think about it, it's it's when M dies, right? So of course, it's going to draw attention to the viewers who are James Bond fans. So I guess I can see why that was like the biggest one for sales. Wait, what do you mean <laughs> M dies? I just saw M two days ago. Big spoiler. Holy jeez. Okay, a movie that's been around for like, what, 15 years or something? <laughs> yeah, but, in, but wait, M's, M's alive again. No, no. In Skyfall, the female version of M, who's been in like about 10 Bond movies, she dies in that movie, Skyfall. Oh, she's the one that played uh, Queen Elizabeth, isn't she? Yes, exactly. Okay. I can't remember the name of the character, the actor yeah. is, the actress is, but... Oh, it's Dame Judi Dent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, she, played, she, she played Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, so she dies in that movie. So that's why it's, I guess, some sort of significance to it. Uh, I don't remember that, but yeah. okay. Uh, do you guys also remember, too, at one point, and they were trying to do it, and I, guess, I don't know why they stopped, but John Cleese was supposed to be their next Q. Who's Q? Q's the guy who does all the inventions, all the gadgets. Oh, the, so, the computer guy? Well, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying the old ones, he invented all the cars, the the, the, the watches, and the, the, yeah. the, all the gadgets. But at one point, they had two times, uh, two movies of Pierce Bronson where John Cleese was in the movies, and there was a whole big, huge thing in the news about that John Cleese was going to be the next Q, because obviously the guy that was original Q was going to retire. Uh, eventually, he died, actually, like right after shooting that film, actually, not too far from that. And so I don't understand why they didn't continue with John Cleese. I'm just kind of curious to like, – that would be something I would like to research out. Why did John Cleese not make Q after all? Well, you can research that eventually. There we go. And I just get, find back, this- get back to us, Craig, with that, would you? There we go. No, because, I mean, he was actually pretty funny Q. And if you watch the two movies that he's in, you know what I mean? Like, he was kind of like uh, clumsy and uh, funny. It's and- a good Q. A good Q. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, the new well, guy, don't get me wrong, the new guy is Q. I like him, too. He's an awesome guy. Anyway, so I'll give you guys some facts. So, Daniel Craig also did his his trial run for James Bond. He did his, his screening. And, you know, he's like, okay, there's like all these people applying for James Bond, and I probably won't get it, whatever. And in an interview, he says that he was actually grocery shopping, and he had some laundry detergent. He's trying to detergent which, uh, decide what the laundry detergent to get. And he had a bag of groceries with him. And he gets a phone call from Barbara Broccoli, who's the producer of James Bond. And that's says, a great the- name. Great name, Barbara that's, Broccoli. That's, that's like a Hollywood name, eh? Like yeah. Barbara Broccoli. Like, you can't make that up. There's no way. No, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, so she tells him, like, you are going to be the next James Bond. So, of course, he drops his groceries, leaves the grocery store without any groceries at all, and goes to the nearest liquor store, gets some vodka, and actually makes himself like three or four martinis to celebrate on his own at home. And uh, then he probably thought, I should have 
contemplated more my time grocery shopping because I won't be able to do it again that calmly ever again. Exactly. As soon as you are on the tabloids, look out. You're, you're, yeah. The cameras are on you. Exactly. So here's a cool fact. And Jane Skyfall, he almost cost the production company millions of dollars due to some gloves. So he comes on a set one day to shoot a scene and he's like, comes in with these leather gloves and he tells, you know, the directors, and he's like, look, man, this would be really cool. These are leather gloves that James Wan would wear. You know, like they just, they got that look of like a, you know, a spy. So they shoot this, the scene. Okay. Yeah. You put the gloves on, shoot the scene and they shoot the whole movie. And then they go into editing and the editor picks out a problem. He goes to the director and he goes, um, there's a problem with that scene with the gloves. And he's like, well, what's the problem? The gun is actually designed, can only shoot with his fingerprints. So the only way that the gun can be shot is with the fingerprints of James Bond. Well, if he's wearing gloves, he can't shoot the gun. Wow. So they're like, well, what do we do now? Do we go back and reshoot the scene? Or do we make, you know, call the actors back? Do we make sure we get that one scene again? It's shocking that nobody noticed while it was happening. Though, yeah. Right? Exactly. Like so, the director. Where's the director when we need one? <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't know if you guys know this. There's actually a person on a movie set called the continuity person. Yeah. So they actually do is when they say cut and then they go back and reshoot the scene or they shoot the scene from a different angle, whatever. They are the person who's in charge to make sure everything is exactly the way it was in the original scene. Well, she probably got fired. Yeah, I guess. So anyways, what they had to do is they go like, well, we can't do that. So they CGI'd his hand into the scene. So if you watch the scene in Skyfall, there's one scene close up where he's shooting the gun. It's actually CGI'd. It's not his hand. Well, I did not know that. Yeah. Now, this next one is for all you fans or Star Wars fans, which I am a Star Wars fan. So this is a combination of Star Wars and James Bond. What better way to do it than to combine the two worlds together? Daniel Craig, he actually acted as a stormtrooper. That's right. In Force Awakens, which is one of the newer Star Wars movies that came out recently. And he's actually the stormtrooper that's in the scene where Rey, the main female character, is being restrained and held. And so she's trying to use the force to tell the stormtrooper to, to loosen the strengths and let her go and leave the room. And of course, stormtrooper comes over and he's like, I'm not leaving the room. I'm tightening the restraints and I'm making sure that you don't escape. So then she thinks again, tries again with the, her force and says, you will loosen these restraints and leave the room. And of course, then all of a sudden the force does affect him. He's like, I will loosen these restraints and leave the room. And as he's walking out of the room, she's like, and you'll drop your gun. And he's like, I know, I'll drop my gun. And it's actually Daniel Craig, which is pretty cool because stormtroopers, for the most part of Star Wars, never talk. So to be a stormtrooper and have lines in a movie and be Daniel Craig, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And, and how he got that was actually they were shooting Spectre on the next stage over and Daniel Craig is a Star Wars fan, I guess. And he asked the producers or the directors, hey, can I be in the movie? And they said, we got a spot for you. You're going to have lines and everything. That's funny. Is, is his name in the credits? Yes. You can oh. actually see Daniel Craig as a talking stormtrooper. That's funny. So there you go. For you. There aren't too many talking stormtroopers. No. no. Yeah. Just like and lines the, like. And the what? The, yeah. In the 40 years of Star Wars, is very yeah. few times as stormtroopers talk. Yeah. Probably just another drill. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? Oh, it's probably just another drill. Or, hey, what was that? <laughs> All right. The last Daniel Craig, James Bond fact for you guys on Did You Know is the Quantum of Solace. Daniel actually insures his body for $9.5 million. 
for the production of the film because we actually found out, I mean, if you watch this, by the way, there is a documentary called Being James Bond where they talk about how they shoot James Bond and Daniel Craig, of course, being in it. I didn't realize that the bulk of the stunts you see are not CGI'd. They're completely legit. Those are like stunts. And Daniel Craig, for the bulk of them, just like Tom Cruise, does the bulk of his stunts himself. So, of course, after doing a couple of James Bond movies, he knew like, okay, this could get pricey because he broke a leg one time. He's injured himself. He's had stitches done. He's uh, sprained a rib or something one time. So, he figured that the best thing to do just to make sure production doesn't get costly if he does get injured is to insure his body for $9.5 million. Now, here's another cool fact. The beginning of Spectre, okay, when he's walking along the top of the building there, he actually has a broken leg filming that shot. Uh, he has a metal brace that actually is holding his leg together. And the reason why he, he insisted on shooting that is because they already had thousands of extras in Mexico City dolled up with makeup and costume. And he knew that there's no way they could go back months later to reshoot that scene and be able to get all the volunteers that they did from the city. So he's like, yep, I'm just going to tough it out. I'm going to put a metal brace on there. So actually that scene where he's walking along the rooftop and he actually is walking along the rooftop. Uh, he has a broken leg during that whole process. Insane. Well, once again, I did not know that. There we go. So there's some cool Daniel Craig, James Bond facts for you guys. So go out and check out the movie. It is a big screen movie. You can't see this on a TV. Yes, you will eventually, but I'm just saying the first time, Get yourself into the theater. Check it out. It's a really cool movie. And if you're a big James Bond fan, it's definitely a must-see one. Um, and it is touching because it is kind of Daniel Craig's last movie. I know uh, I wasn't a big Daniel Craig fan at the beginning when he first came out. But actually now, the last few years, watching all of his movies and going back and watching all the James Bonds with him in them, he actually does a pretty good job of being James Bond, I think. Um, I still am yeah. a Pierce Bronson fan. I'm still a Pierce Bronson fan. Me too. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan to me is is the ultimate. Well, because Pierce Brosnan will kill you and then and then fix his tie. Yes, <laughs> it's, like, it's like no, I, I my suit's yeah. on the back. Uh, he also Pierce Brosnan always had witty comments too. Like he always had really good lines. For Mark, who is your favorite James Bond? I'm old school. You know, it's going to be Sean Connery. Sean Connery. There we go. <laughs> Whether we're liked or not. I However, did not- I did like Timothy Dalton. Okay. I just okay, thought, I just thought he just looked Bond. Yeah, I guess you know what for him it was a he looked Bond, but he just didn't have the persona of Bond. I think yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And Sean Connery, I did not know this. The entire time he's actually James Bond, he has a hairpiece. I did not know that. Oh yeah. yeah. Apparently he used to just at the end of a scene, he would just literally take it off and throw it on a hat rack. <laughs> <laughs> he had no like qualms about the hat. Yeah, like, oh, oh God, that's hilarious, man. Anyway, so yeah, sir, there's some two cool drinks for you guys to check out. They're not tiki drinks, but hey, they're pretty cool. Go check out the movie. Some cool facts about Dan- Dale DeGraff and uh, Daniel Craig. So let's tell you who we are. We are www.tikicentralcanada.ca. Or .com. There you go. And on that main page will be all the information about this episode, the two recipes. A Craig's creation, yes, I'll go back and revamp it and uh, get all the measurements for you guys on my version of the Vesper. Get get it to the way you like it. Uh, actually, the, sorry, the Casino Royale, the one I revamped. And uh, yeah, Mark's Adventures. So yes, on the next episode, we will have Mark's Adventures. I'm sure Mark's got one in his uh, library somewhere he can pull out. I do indeed. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> He's so mad of many words, he is, I'm sure he is. Anyways, uh, <laughs> it's funny because you get on to Mark's adventures, you, he doesn't stop chattering. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, there's lots to talk about. That's it. Yeah, we're going to take, uh, take that Ventura Highway. And, there we go. We'll uh, take there, that. There's your clue. 
We'll take you on the adventure highway. And anyway, so yes, uh, also too, we have a recipe and episode page, which is easy to navigate through, very easy to go through. Click on the link. It brings you down to where you want to go. And there you go. We do have a subscribe page, so please do subscribe. Please. please. We'll throw in Mark if you want. Yay. <laughs> He'll sit there and tell you about all of his adventures over some rum. Uh, unfortunately, you have to supply the rum. Um, no, I'll bring the rum. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because Mark doesn't want cheap rum. He wants the real deal. That's right. Uh, anyways, yeah, so anyways, also too, we have a cooling page where, of course, Dale DeGraff's book, uh, which is titled... The Craft of the Cocktail. It's a deaf must read if you're a bartender. Uh, there's lots of information on there. Like I said, the first like 20 pages are all about the history of cocktails. So there's a lot of cool information in there. And he just he's so well good about all these cocktails. He's just well crafted. All these cocktails are well crafted. He puts a lot of thought into them. There's lots of layers in there. Just like Tiki cocktails, there's lots of layers in there. Lots of things that are gonna surprise you. And uh, it's a good book overall. And anyways, yeah, so we're going to go off and uh, make some drinks. And uh, Paula's going to go take care of the little one. And uh, Mark's in the Batmobile, so he's going to go off and uh, work on the Batmobile, I guess. <laughs> yes, I have, to, uh, I have to tighten up my utility belt. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Please do listen to the next episode. And thank you for listening. See ya. Bye. Ciao. Well, I don't know about you, but I got informed. Guys, hey, guys, where's my drink? There, there you go. I must get closer. There we go. <laughs> You're flatlining. No! I must not <laughs> pop my... Peas. peas. Oh God, no, no popping peas. What do they teach you in like when you're doing uh, radio broadcasting, Paula? What the things you can't do is pop your peas. Was there anything oh, else? Yeah. Any other rules? Probably, but I don't remember them anymore. <laughs> Good to see the education went well. It's like... <laughs>